All right, GMGM, welcome to Rebel Ants Radio. This is the Build in Public video podcast for the Rebel Ants NFT project, uh, which is all-encompassing of multiple projects, which we'll talk about later today. Joined tonight by my co-host, co-founder, co-pilot, Miguel. Miguel, how are you tonight? Very good, man. Um, you know, you keep saying GMGM at 8 p.m. at night. It's not good morning anymore. You can say it whenever you want. That's the beauty of GM. I guess, but you're like way past the morning time. Yeah, I just feel like GN for good night doesn't sound good. It's not as recognizable. It's not as like in the culture. I'm trying to fit in here. You're not fitting in. I know it's terrible. It's embarrassing. It's like falls under like dad jokes that my kids make fun of me for. Um, we have got four people joining us tonight. That's awesome. And in just a minute, we're going to bring on uh, our special guest for tonight, uh, artist Eric Rhodes, and we're going to catch up with him and then uh, just talk about whatever's happening in the NFT crypto art space and uh, check in with him. And just a reminder, you can head over to rebelants.io. You can mint a rebel ant for 0.01 ETH, or you can get free Jeremy pet NFTs. And we would encourage you to do that as well. You can scan the QR code on your screen here. If uh, you're watching live right now, we're watching on replay. We've got five Jeremy pet NFTs available uh, for minting. So Miguel, uh, thanks for putting those up. How was your experience using Bueno to get those bad boys up? It was pretty cool, man. I, I tell you one thing, like Bueno's really doing a lot of cool stuff for for like people who want to be in the industry. Like just the no code stuff is pretty, pretty cool, man. It was pretty easy. And we did it live for the first one on our podcast last week. Um, and I thought it was pretty easy and pretty smooth. And then once I did the other four, it was it, it was the same. Right. And and now the the Jeremy's are taking a little bit more shape. They're all gonna be named. All five all five hundred of them are gonna have a name and a and a little uh little dialogue on them so that you guys can get a little bit more familiar with them. But they're pretty cool. Um as the art progresses, it's gonna keep evolving. The Jeremy's is more of a free flowing kind of art, something easy, right? But the more that I keep drawing them, the more complex they're gonna get. These are all one of ones, these are all me just drawing. Every single one of them, there is it's not being generated. It's just being drawn by hand. Um, whatever I feel like doing, whatever I feel like putting on the iPad, you know, my digital stuff. So that's that's what Jeremy's are coming from. Nice. Really and cool we've got some free ones up right now. But uh, as we continue to release more, some of them will not be free forever. Some of them will not be free. Some of them will not be forever. or some combination of that. So you might as well go get your free Jeremy NFTs while you can and then follow us along because these will be used as incentives and kickers for our future rewards program, which is TBD slash coming soon. That's right. Um, all right, let's bring in Eric and get started with our icebreaker for today. Uh, Eric, welcome back to Rebel Ants Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. All three of us are in New Jersey, not to give away too much, but I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're always close anyway. So it's yes. Nice. Yeah, nice to be on screen together. Um, Eric, I don't remember how long ago was you were with us. I want to say October was the last time we spoke. It was a while ago, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe you were a second or third guest, and we've come so long since then. So you've got a lot going on. We'll catch up on that. But first, I want to start with our icebreaker, and we've got six people watching now, so we encourage you to comment along as well. Um, here it is. What is your dream car? So... Miguel, Eric, this just means whatever. You could say a Lambo, you could say a whatever, but what is it? What is your dream car, uh, Miguel? And don't say the car you have now, because that would just be a little company <laughs> of you. What do you mean? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. No, I knew you were going to say that. You can't say that. What's the dream car? You can snap your fingers and just have a car, but you have to pay for the insurance moving forward too. 
No, no, I'm kidding. You can just have the gun. <laughs> um, probably a pista. A pista. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I guess I should Google that. Google it. Yeah. What, what it is. sounds not American? What what country produces the pista? <laughs> a pista. A pista. I think it's a it's a Lambo. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Very fancy. Very fancy. Uh, all right, Eric. What is your dream car? Real easy question to answer. It's a '67 Fastback Mustang, red. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, specific trim color or anything? Black. Black. Mm -hmm. All right. I I feel like if I could just go around, just pick at a car and like have it, I would pick like a McLaren because I saw one on the road today. I was like, God, that is a beautiful looking piece of machinery that I just wish I could touch um, in the weirdest <laughs> way possible. But the car I've always wanted, I somehow I stumbled on like a car auction show many years ago. And I saw this like 69 Stingray with baby blue leather inside. I was like, I have to own that one day. And so I still feel like that's on my bucket list is to own this Stingray with the baby blue leather uh, inside. So one day, one day we'll get to that. <laughs> There's something beautiful about muscle cars. Yeah. Yeah. There it's is. It's, it's hard to even replicate it, right? You know, you still have some of these cars that have come back today, but they just don't give you that same feeling. Like you still look at you like, oh, that looks impressive, but it's not the same, uh, I don't know, finesse of, of those old school muscle cars. No, not at all. So a while ago, I did that, uh, you know, that, that tour that you do with a whole bunch of supercars and one of them was a 500 GT Mustang. I couldn't control that thing. I had to get off of it. I, just, I couldn't control it. It was crazy. The power of that car is insane. Is that you're yeah. talking about the electric ones today? No, no, no. This was a this was a gas power one. This was a few years back. Oh wow! It was incredible. I yeah. uh, I had an opportunity to do like the Audi racing tour in Sonoma, Ooh. and they put us in um, RX eights. I think it was right. Is that the car? The yeah. supercar that they have. Yeah, the R8. They put, yeah, the, the R8, yeah. And they put us on the super track. And uh, we were allowed to drive the cars first. And then we did a hot lap with a professional race car driver. Oh, my God. And he was, like, taking he was taking turns at, like, you know, 80. <laughs> and we're we're taking turns at, like, 40 and 50, you know. <laughs> yeah, He's doing 80 and 90, you know. Crazy. It was great. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. It. Very jealous. One day I'll, I'll hit the tracks. One day. So the, um, pista, the Pista's a Ferrari. Let me... Uh, oh, it's a Ferrari. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in your choice now. Ferrari. All right. Why? I mean, oh. I would take a Ferrari, but that's okay. All right. To the subject matter at hand. Uh, Eric, when we last spoke to you, you had launched... You had recently just launched a project uh, uh, down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Right? That's right. And that's a long burn, right? That was a 10,000 release. We're at about 2,600 now. Mm -hmm. um, what's the future of this project looking like? Still on plan? Still on plan. I mean, it was always meant to be a, a slow art project. Um, I anticipated that there would be a like, I anticipated there would be a period of a lull. Um, so this was, I even think I wrote about it in my FAQ somewhere. Right. Um, so my intention was this was always going to be a slow burn project. So, you know. Another experiment in sort of long form art. We're so used to sort of like the the burn and redeem fast art, right? Right. Fast response, <laughs> right? The 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 the, uh, the flippers, which I believe are an important part of the ecosystem. Sure. But 
they have a very specific want and need. This isn't for them. This is for like, I'll call them the diamond hearts, right? The people that are going to stay with me, stay in the business, be here through the thick and thin. Um, you know, when it starts rising up and this project is still going on, uh, I think it'll, and it, you know, I think it's, uh, will be interesting to see what happens. There's, yeah. there's no end in sight for this particular project. It was never meant to end, right. never meant to close. Um, That's it might be the only project I ever make that way. <laughs> yeah. Because um, this is, you know, it's it's emotional to to see a project sort of flatline a little bit. Um, but it's, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. The and do, do you think about um, trying to reinvigorate it? Or kind I do, of reintroduce yeah. it? So yeah. starting in July, uh, I, I've been hiding the art, right? Pre-reveal. Um, I mean, post-reveal. So you reach a milestone, then I would reveal the art. Right. I'm going to finish all 50 illustrations um, by the end of uh, September. And uh, I will release them, you know, to show what you could get along the milestones to sort of reinvigorate the community. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, a lot of it is dependent on the the people who who follow me. I you know I recently just sent out prints. Uh, that process was difficult to find a printer that I mm. was high quality enough um, that I liked, but also was within my budget. And then shipping overseas was something I did not consider in the math. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, this isn't a, a make money project for me. This was just a project, that, like a passion project. And it's turned out to be, I mean, if I'm being realistic, I'm losing money on it, but I love, I lo like if, if I was just looking at it through the lens of that one project, but sure. I see it through the lens of all my projects, right? All of my art. So for me, it's just like part of the ecosystem and a part of the process. Very cool. I, I have a print pass I haven't redeemed yet. Should I hold off on that? It's up to you. <laughs> I have. Eric. I, I have I have all the prints um, here ready to go for the ones that haven't been redeemed yet. All right, I might I might take the next step on that. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> Just um, DM me your address and I'll and I'll send you an artist proof so you don't have to redeem the uh, the pass. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, all right, so let's fast forward to today. You know, your link tree keeps growing and your Discord seems to keep growing and and. <laughs> There's so much to follow of you. What What do you want to talk about? What do you want to What do you want to yeah. pick up first? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's good to talk about sort of the evolution of where I am and where I was and where things sure. are going. Um, so where I am is sort of I'll call it post Genesis years. Um, I consider my Genesis years the first four years in this space, and the only reason it's sort of poetic that I that I sort of put it that way. Um, I needed a way to encapsulate this period because I knew that I was going to transition to um, different style, different kind of art, but get, and get more deep with it. And I wanted a way to signal to collectors, like this is one period, mm. this Genesis period, and this is a new period. Um, and then also I don't have my Genesis artwork. I burned it in 2020. So uh, it seemed also kind of appropriate and an homage to that idea that I, instead of having a Genesis artwork, I have like a Genesis part of my career yeah, as an artist. Um, so where I'm at now is I'm really messing around and playing with generative art, 
but not in the way that people I think are playing with it today. It's not code based per se. I'm using JavaScript to create um, uh, concentric artworks using various patterns, using various palettes, even using images, and then using those to create like fragmented images. So each of those generative artworks become a pixel in an image. Mm. Um, yeah. Sort of like Chuck Close, you know, his fragmented images where if you zoomed out from his artwork, his, his paintings, you sort of see a, uh, you see a portrait, but if you go closer, you'll see their individual swirls or circles pulling from that concept, um, but using generative art in sort of a way to explore portraits in that way. Um, I don't know. It just I'm I'm not doing it for any other reason other than I I was inspired as I was falling asleep two nights in a row. I was going to bed and like this these ideas kept popping up into my head about revisiting these jet, these concentric circles, and so I'm just going to dive deep and see where it takes me. Love it. That's usually how it happens. It's just an idea that just sticks to you and never goes away. It won't go away. Like I, my my Genesis years. See, I, like it's easy for me to say it and like describe it like that, which is why I like mm -hmm. that. Um, it, I I explored a lot of different styles, and I learned a lot, um, and I don't regret any of it. Uh, but now I'd like to really dive deep into a specific style, potentially not necessarily style, but like process, because yeah. colorways and and ways in which I use it, um, techniques in which I use these pixels, I'll continue to explore. But the process of like generating these generative artworks is the thing that I'm really diving into. So the back end stuff, and I'm thinking about creating a palette, about 30 to 50,000 of these wow. to see if I can do like what kind of interesting things I can do with that. That's pretty cool. That's why I like the the collection that we have, the Jeremy Pets one, because it's just evolving. It's just not one thing. Like if you look at NFTs now or like a collection now, it's very uniform. It's the same thing over and over again with the same color palettes. So I was telling Kevin the other day on 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 the pot that you know the Jeremy's is more of a, whatever I feel that day. That's what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Whether it's mm -hmm. different or not, like it's it's all one of ones from one collection. So I think that. Me drawing 500 of them, yeah, it's a little crazy, a little ludicrous, but it's also it's also gives me more of a challenge for myself. Like, what what else can I come up with? You know what I mean? Because Kevin all the time, he's like, how do you come up with this? Like, how do you, you make them look so different? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just sit there and I just start drawing something. And like, that's it. And it becomes something. <laughs> it's not the same colors. It's not the same anything. Yeah. It's, um, I think the, the way that, PFP projects did that at first with using the similar color palettes. It really lended to their success. And I think right. that's mm -hmm. great. I really doodles, I think, is probably the yep. most prolific with yeah. their color palette. That was uh, the first one I thought of when you said that. Yeah. But like even Apes has a very specific color palette, if you were to look at it. Yeah. Um uh, punks too, right? Very sure. specific color palette. And I think they work to their favor. When you're talking about a 10,000 collection. You need something to tie it together, and that's features and color, right? Yeah. Um, I think that works for them, but I'm not a. You know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a Yuga Labs. I'm uh, I'm, I'm one person, and I'm yeah. an artist, and I'm yeah. trying to explore. So for me, and I assume for like for you, like 
that's that's not the way that I think of it. I don't I don't think of it that way. What comes yeah. out of me is like honestly, true creative. Um, it's organic. Like I'm really not trying to be. Right. Hardly ever. In fact, I was I was having a podcast. You know, you could stop me at any time. I talk a lot. But Go I was ahead. Having, no, I was having a podcast. I was on a podcast recently, and they made me realize that a lot of my most viral moments in the space were reactions to mm. what was happening in the space. Anytime that I tried to do something that was like, I don't know, like uh, the V2s worked for unofficial punks, but like the unordinal punks right. was like legit just trying to be a cash grab on making, making and making fun of unordinals. But because it, I think because it seemed legit like a cash grab, um, it didn't capture the people the way that my organic reactions to the space do. And so I'm trying to be more organic about the way in which I react and create to that's this new period as well. It's a yep. little bit more trusting of my intuition as opposed to trying to manage both intuition and what I think collectors want, which is really difficult to do as a team of one. Very difficult. Yeah. Like we're a team of two and we have so much going on. We have the podcast, we have all these different collections going on and we have like all these things that we're trying to do and all these ideas that keep popping into like either my head or Kevin's head and we try to put them into play. It's just so much, right? And we didn't think that it was going to be like this much. We and Actually, in one of the episodes too, we were talking about how much money we've expensed just doing this and we really haven't gotten anything back, but, you know, monetary wise, but... At the same time, like the reason why we do this again is to talk to people like you, yourself, you know, like all the artists that we've met along the way. Like, it's great. Like, I went to NFT New York. I, I was really looking forward to meeting you, but I think I, I missed you somewhere on the line. But yeah. at the same time, like I've met so many other artists that we interacted with, mm -hmm. um, even on the podcast, like Alisa Stevens. And it was amazing. Like, I just it was it was great. It was some great interactions. Like, I love that. I bailed on uh, NFT NYC after after going in on day one, I had a, I probably, this is the first time I'm sharing this, but I had a, um, um, a mini panic attack mm. oh. and it wasn't like anxiety driven panic attack. It was, what am I even doing in this space right now? Wow. Panic attack. And, uh, should I even be here? Do I deserve to be here? And it was so overwhelming to me that I had to just leave and recenter myself and remind wow. myself why, why, why I'm in this space. Because I was seeing the part of me was like really uncomfortable, um, uh, not being a part of any shows. But a lot of this had to do with me, like moving, like stepping back from the space. Because if you're not actively involved and asking people to be involved and you know, a lot of times all it takes is an ask as an introvert. Sure, yeah. It's not really, um, th th that's not really an easy way for me to do that. Yeah. But, you know, you can't sit around and wait for people to ask. And I had realized NFT NYC came around. It's in my backyard and I did absolutely nothing to put myself in a position to be shown. And I was kind of upset at myself for it. Yeah. But let me tell you something. I'm the exact same way, right? I, like I, Kevin couldn't go. Kevin is usually the one who like initiates conversations and all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm very like reluctant to even say hi to people. Right. But at the same time, the first day that I, I, I went, I think uh, three days, um, 
And the first day that I was there, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like all these people are like so intelligent. They know more than me about the space. Like, like, what am I doing? <laughs> right. So I questioned myself so many times, but then at the same time, something happened that really got me really loose. And it was just, I started talking to people and saying hello. And like, you know, the conversation started sparking up and I was like, well, these people know as much as I do about this space. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. And then the second day I felt a little bit more comfortable, spoke a little more. We went to the Bueno, um, uh, they had like a show in New York somewhere and we ended up going there too. And I felt a lot very more comfortable there too. Mm -hmm. um, that platform it, is great. Yeah. 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 And then it just got better and better as, as I progressed and I started talking more. So I'm very, 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 um, I, I really don't talk to anybody. <laughs> like I'm into, <laughs> I'm into my art, my iPad and you know, yeah. that's it, you know? And, um, it was, it was really challenging the first couple of hours being there. Yeah. Kevin seems like he's, uh, not that I'm talking about you, like you're not here, that's uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, you seem like you're very, uh, outgoing and extroverted yeah and i find i tether myself to people who are like that because um it's easy for me to walk into a space knowing that somebody can be a conversation starter give me five minutes and then i could like relax yeah. and and i'm in the space you know? and you're there yeah 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 but i didn't yeah. have that so it was difficult it yeah. is hard and i had i think that was part of my my anxiety too um, I didn't have any like specific shows set up. I didn't have any specific events set up. I didn't have any specific meeting. I had one meeting um, and we did go out to lunch. But other than that, I was, you know, I get back and I meet with my friend Brian, talk to the King of Midtown. They're doing this show in, in the hotel. And then I just had this like overwhelming sense of, I don't fucking belong here. Uh, and I do, but it was just one of those moments that anxiety got the best of me. Yeah. You know, well, that's yeah. definitely an intense feeling. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, you definitely do belong there. Yeah. Um, next year, I hope to be there and maybe all three of us can go <laughs> Yeah. and make it a little easier on us. Yes. You know, I've, I've been in the hospitality business for almost two decades now. And so I think that has helped me just kind of be a little more forward facing and you, you just have to be more engaging when you're very in, special people in work positions. in the hospitality industry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And exactly. I don't mean that. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that like, <laughs> like if you want to make a career of it, holy Jesus, very yeah. special people. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, actually. No. <laughs> anyway, so the project you were just talking about, Eric, was that is that the concentric um, ordinals? It's all tied in. Yes, the concentric ordinals are part of this. So I released a series in 2021, the Four Circle of Friends for you know some other people who started using concentric circles um, no disrespect to them i think it's great i love i mean i borrowed the idea from other art art projects i mean artists out there like um uh, it doesn't matter I'm, I'm i'm yeah yeah so that's the original um and it was really just my first exploration in uh in generative art using code and I created this collection of 416 of them. Oh yeah, Milton Glaser. Yeah, there it is. Um, he was he was an inspiration for this. He's my one of my design heroes. Love Milton Glaser. Wow. He, there's this uh, short documentary from Milton about drawing, and you, he's just drawing the face of um, Shakespeare 
over and over. And he's talking about how drawing is the way he interacts with the world. And for me, that really stuck with me. Um, and it's and since then, and I didn't know when I first discovered him. I, I discovered him not because of his, uh, not because of his I love famous I love New York logo or because of his um, uh, uh, famous posters or the Bob Dylan uh, album yeah. cover with the rainbow colored hair. Yeah, right? that's him. Um, I I think I discovered him because I learned that he did the the Brooklyn Brewery logo. Oh wow, the B. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of him. It's and a good then, B. It's a good B. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you, it clearly borrows it from you know the Brooklyn sort of uh, Dodgers and very right. you know he's really good at creating something iconic yet reminding you of the history of Brooklyn, right? Um, all yeah. in that simple B. It's really yeah, just right. classic. Um, so anyway, uh, I've been a big fan of his, and he's been a design hero of mine for a long time. A lot of my personal philosophy about drawing comes from listening to him talk about drawing. Uh, so he was part of the reason that I that I did this, you know, this exploration. I fell in love with this color palette too. This color palette just comes from. I love that. I was, yeah, I was working. I was working in air conditioning uh, as an HVAC engineer in New York City in my twenties. And I walk into, I think it was one of the public libraries and they had this learning center and this learning center was filled in this color palette. And it wow. stuck, it is stuck with me for, I was like, I'm going to do, you know, it, like I locked it in my brain and, and I knew I was going to do something with it. And this was, you know, years later, the output, it's just a beautiful palette. Even the textures that I use here are borrowed from that color palette because they had like stippled, like this orange wall that was stippled with a little darker orange and these bright blues and white. It was, it just really stuck with me. It seemed really fun. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting you say that texture because when you said it, that's when I noticed the texture in there. So I can only zoom in so much on, on the feed here, but if you head over to secondrealm.com, you'll find the article here. But yeah, these oranges have this this texture to it, this noise um, to it. Yeah, some of them do and some of them don't. And then right. also, uh, I think the blue, the blue ones do yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. those really cool. two, those are borrowed directly from that space that I walked into. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah. I'm going to share something. It's a little embarrassing. But I walked into a, a McDonald's a couple of years ago and the wall had this really cool palette. It was just painted just bars and this really cool palette. I took a picture and I thought like, I want a tattoo using these colors. So I haven't done anything with it, but your inspiration reminded me of an inspiration that I also felt just like walking into a place and like being um, captivated by just your surrounding there and it just being ingrained in your in yeah. your mind. So I, I have it as a favorited picture on my phone. I'll post it on our Twitter for everyone's totally do that. Yeah. McDonald wall. <laughs> it's, it's funny how you, um, it's funny how you like it resonates to certain things that are, artistic like that like i love art like i genuinely love art within me since i was like since i can remember right so it's funny i was watching um uh, i was scrolling through instagram in a rabbit hole the other day and um there was this guy doing art with um dices i don't know if anybody ever seen that but he I've he seen took, that he took like three bags of of dice oh yeah 
And he just like threw it on the table and then he just started doing like this huge portrait with the the numbers of the dice, like the white part of the actual dice. It was just incredible. And I was like, Jesus, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a similar the similar idea to the fragmented images uh that I use with the concentric circles. It's like, you know, you're using he's using each one of those dice uh, or as as a pixel essentially and he creates yeah. these exquisite exquisite portraits i've seen yeah. it the, i've seen the black and white ones they're really beautiful amazing stuff and i you just i just sit there and wonder like jesus am i would i ever be at that level at some point you know do i keep challenging myself to be at that level and sometimes i think to myself like no nah, there's no way i could get to that point but and i just think yeah. like jesus how do how do how do they open that mindset that artistic mindset to be able to see that, you know, first and then do it. Like, that's just insane to me. Yeah. That's that. There's a, there's, a, I have those feelings and there's a bit of an insecurity in that because mm. may, and, and I don't mean that you're being insecure. I just mean that when I'm, when I have those feelings, it's, it comes from a sense of insecurity because what do I know about that dude? Maybe that's the only way he can create portraits. Maybe he can't even draw, right? Yeah. Maybe he can't. He doesn't. He doesn't even know how to open up Photoshop or something. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, but it's so easy to get down on ourselves and compare ourselves to other people, and that's basically what happened to me. Uh, NFT NYC. I started comparing myself to everybody instead of just being myself, and you know. Anyway, I get on this tangent. Yeah. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It's um it's like people who can do Rubik's Cube and make portraits too. Yeah. Like that's two skills, right? That you have to get really good at. You have to know how to use the colors to create the portrait and also move the fucking cube around. Yeah. I'm like, you know, that's that's these are just tools, a, right? Tools for creative expression. Yeah, it's a, it's like another opening that just happens. Like I, I'll give you an example, and I'll share something with our audience. Like my parents are separated, right? So when when this was happening, I was very angry at something, and I was very young, and I remember that I took it out of my art, right? And it opened something up, right? And I remember just grabbing a pencil. Right. And there was this huge wall in my room that was just white. And I saw it as a canvas and I just started drawing with that little pencil the entire wall. And I did like this huge mural for hours. And I just I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't think I wouldn't do anything but just that, you know, so there's something within us that just opens up and it just it just happens like that's just the way it happens. Yeah. And I wish that I could have that door opened all the time. Right. But it maybe just doesn't it happen that way. Maybe it is. Maybe. <laughs> I uh, there's there's art like for me, art started out as a way to express myself verbally because it couldn't. Like um, I shoved anger deep down as a kid, and was the good kid, the good son, the the straight and narrow. I didn't cause any trouble. Um, you know, my parents had their own issues similarly. Um, they were separated when we were kids and my dad had cheated on my mom and 
you know, all this kind of stuff. And as a five-year-old, I took all that, ate it, lived with it, shoved it down, and art was the only way that I could express it. Yep. And I carried that through my teens and through my 20s. So I drew a lot of dark art, like black and white, graphite pencil. Like everything was so dark, so angry. Um, yeah. It was the way in which I expressed myself. It's still the same. I, I'm using it that way. Um, but I think more recently I'm using it to react to the world around me than anything else. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Miguel. So I wanted to talk about, um, like, just what's going on in the crypto space and the NFT space, right? For example, like, let's talk about this goose <laughs> that sold talk about it. for $6.2 million. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, what it's is- funny talking about the generative art and then getting into this because, Miguel, you seem to think that this is just a, a drawing someone made, right? No, no. I mean, I know there's a deeper meaning meaning behind it. I mean, obviously, all art has has a deeper meaning behind it, right? It's just that I don't, see, I don't know, I don't know what I'm seeing. Well, I think, and, and Eric, jump in here. I I believe this was a a, a generative art piece of a ten thousand collection called uh, Ringers, and this one just happened to have some likeness to to something that people could associate with. Where uh, I have the image up here. Uh, on our screen where it looks yeah, like there's yeah. a goose head. Um, it, the there's a psychological there. phenomenon called uh, pareidolia. Yep. Where, you know, it's like seeing Jesus in a toast. Right, right. You know, it's the same thing here. People are seeing this goose. Um, yeah. And I think it's become iconic because of that. Right, right. You could look at this collection and the other pieces are cool. They're interesting. They're You know, some of them are beautiful and you could just stare at them. But this one has this image um that looks like a goose head and that's why this one of the whole collection stands out so um i think maybe that's why this one is more popular because this was uh, randomly generated to and, and it looks like something right that's what makes this special and unique is to say you know you could think about uh what do they call that like the the million monkey theory or something if you put them a million monkeys in front of a million typewriters eventually they'll spit out like the bible or something right like everything will happen over time if you give it enough time but in this case there was ten thousand rolls of this generative art and you get a goose out of it so everybody wants the goose yeah or, and you know. it was various colors too it wasn't yes. all yellow um and there were there was a couple different colors in the palette <clears throat> there's some history here too there was um you know, I don't know how much I'm I'm giving away to other people in the audience, but the Dimitri, I think his name is Dimitri Cherniak. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know how to say his last name, but I hope I'm not butchering it. Um, he was accused a long time ago of taking this concept from a visual artist on Instagram. This guy, Nate, I don't know who the artist is. Um, yeah. You know, and... So what? It's not like a specific, uh, he didn't take the guy's art. He just manipulated it in such a way to, to generate this new version where it looked right. like the way he described it looked like bands going around these circles. Yes. Right. Um, and so that's, that's, the, he was trying to think of, a, uh, so I read Dimitri was trying to think of a way to write the code that would output bands that move around circles in a generative way. And I think the output's really beautiful. 
Do I think yeah. it's worth 5.9 million? Not me, not for me to call or 6.4. <laughs> not for me to say. I'm happy for Punk 6529. You know, he does his thing. Um, real, real big influencer in the space. Yeah. I think this is big news for generative art, but I don't think it's needle moving like uh people 69 million. People are hoping that this is gonna this is gonna be the 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 start of the next bull. It's not. You know, yeah, a lot of people were talking about this being like the start of the bull run or whatever, but I don't think no, so. No. Yeah. Absolutely it's, not. It was it was cool that it went through Sotheby's. I think that gives some legitimacy to digital sure. art in that sense. And yes, it's exciting to see that amount of money being committed to one piece. The story behind this one, um, and I have a tweet thread pulled up here from 6529 or mm -hmm. at punk6529. I'll post the link to this thread in the show notes, but it's a really uh, interesting deep dive on, on his connection to this piece and how it goes back into um, 20, uh, I guess right when it first came out or when it was first resold, that he was trying to buy it for 1800 ETH. Um, and he got outbid by just a hundred ETH at the time. And, you know, you could read his like emotional, uh, frustration in that. So really interesting thread here. It's very long, but, um, well worth the read and just understanding the history behind his connection to it gives a little more, uh, understanding of why he, he needed to get this. Yeah. Some people were upset that it was a, um, a crypto native who bought it, but I think that, um, that just shows the conviction he has for the space and for the technology. Yeah. You know, for me, yeah, that's, I mean, like that's great. Yeah, I mean to ditch out six point two million. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's yeah, no he's joke. definitely passionate about something. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, to have to have somebody like that on our side as creators, sure, um, I think is good. Yeah, for sure, a thousand percent. Yeah, he's he's a good follow on Twitter. Anyway, he's you know. Like you said, he's he's definitely a thought leader in the space and, and uh, influencer. Yeah, his threads, you know, I've been reading his threads for years. He was, he's been doing long threads for a long time. Um, I tried to, at one point, sort of mimic that. I just mm -hmm. don't feel like that works for me. But yeah. he clearly yeah. knows how to how to create long and thoughtful, thoughtful threads that people react to. Yeah, absolutely. So in other news in the space, um, Goblin Town... Um, had like a partnership with with this game called Only Up on Twitch. So what's happening is like the the game is very popular, and now they're seeing like the Goblin Town artwork all over the game, like they're wearing on their T-shirts and stuff like that. So I think it's a it's a good thing for the space. I mean, I don't know. We've talked about Goblin Town before in the past, but I think that they kind of die off. They come back, die off, come back. I, I'm not sure. At first, yeah, what, sorry, sorry, what was that? I just get excited and I start jumping in. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, the, the first time that we learned about Goblin Town, we, we first thought that it was going to be like a rug pull, but I guess it, it didn't. It turned out to be a pretty, pretty decent um, project. And so, yeah, their community very strong keeps them going. They um, they started with I can't think of that freaking project. The truth. Um, yeah. the, the team. So I just recently learned that one of their founders is from New Jersey. All right. Oh, really? Yeah. He hit me up a couple of weeks ago, um, saw me tweet something and saw that I had New Jersey in my profile. And uh, we, it was very short, but I was surprised. I'm surprised to learn how many, how many people in the space are from New Jersey. And, you know, it just continues to remind me that 
and you know, I'm putting this on myself, I need to do better about connecting locally. Mm. Um, there's such a, th- your, your evidence, your ev- you two are evidence of this, but there's a thriving community of NFT creators and builders right here in this state with us. And, you know, um, I don't think I'm doing enough for, for that. But anyway, yeah, so, I think what Goblin Town's doing is smart. I think that leaning into the gaming industry is a good, is a good, uh, good move. I mean, look, we're, we're heading that way anyway, where there's going to be this eventual intersection between NFT products, NFT services, and gaming, and the relationship between uh, maybe even cross gaming, you know, objects, who knows, uh, just it's, we're going that way. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this story is that, and my understanding is the reference to Goblin Town was put in by the game creator, not by Goblin Town. Oh, and it then created all this attention. Um, so I, I believe there was a Goblin Town reference on a piece of clothing, like the back of someone's jacket or on a wall. Yeah. And that, you know, nobody knew that that was, you know, this wasn't like an NFT game. It was just a game with the Goblin Town reference that was getting a lot of viewership. And then Goblin Town got pulled into it. And then I believe there was more references made within it. So it's a it's a cool way to get the exposure, but I think it speaks to the idea that people just feel a connection with these projects that they're holders of, or you know they're proud to display it, even outside of the NFT world exclusively, and say, hey, I also make this game and I want to put it here, or you know I have a website and I want to put you know my imagery on on here. So I think it's cool to see it again, just kind of peek out of the NFT world, the, the little bubble that we're in, and see that there's uh, attention beyond. Our, our little circle. <laughs> well, that's that emotional connection, right? Like, yes. You know, I recently started uh, getting involved with a project called Genuine Undead. And by getting involved, I mean, I realized, so I did, let me back this up. I did some research and discovered that a bunch of my collectors were holders of the Genuine Undead. Interesting. And so, well, and by, yeah. And so um, I was like, I need to figure out why uh, and what this community is about. So I bought one floor model just to just to get in on a discord and check it out. And within five minutes, I realized how cool this community was. And now I'm emotionally connected to my yeah. floor model uh, PFP from this from this project, all because of the people who welcomed me so warmly. And what's funny is they have, well, not funny, but again, this intersection of New Jersey, they have a group of New Jersey, New York people, and they're mm-hmm. meeting on the 7th in Hoboken. Oh, I got to I gotta get in on this. You got to come. Yeah, <laughs> you got to come for sure. Absolutely. I got to get in on this, Kevin. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so, it, is, it is definitely a small world. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely need some sort of get together in the state of New Jersey, just because I also seen so many people that are um, NFT creators or NFT artists that are out there or just artists in general that are from New Jersey that are amazing artists, you know, and I really want to put something together where, where we're able to meet or, or something, you know what I mean? I think the community should get together and get stronger. Yeah. I've been I've been thinking about, like I started new NJ NFT with my friend Bo a while ago. We shuttered it. Um, it just wasn't working out. But there's got to be you know I'm t- I'm terrible at like um, I need an event organizer. 
in my life who <laughs> in your life yeah 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 like i'm really good i'm really good at like i'm really i think i'm really good at connecting with people uh i think i'm really good at finding people in and around me what i'm not really good yeah. at is like getting physical locations and pulling that together um you know if anybody out there is from new jersey and knows how to pull some events together hit me up let's do this yeah for sure Absolutely. We're, we're there yes. to back you up 1000% too. Yeah. The, um, I'll, uh, I'll draw on my hospitality background, see if I can find a way to get us together. Listen, let's do it in one of the hotels, Kevin. Hook us up. No, 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 no. I can't. <laughs> no, no. It should so, be, it should be, it, I think at first informal at a bar and yes. then, and then grow from there. That's true. Makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't know that we're ready for like uh, NJ NFT yet. No, I think I this is see this is what happens. I <laughs> I get so far ahead of myself that I go right to planning an official instead of just <laughs> trying to like get yeah, to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> I went yeah, I I'm went and did a, I went and did a logo, built a website, <laughs> like, you know. You had a meetup, right? You had a meetup. I had a uh, meetup. Yeah, we had several. Uh, you know, over we were meeting every Tuesday. Yeah, um, that's so funny. That's pretty cool. Just went too, you know, too corporate with it instead of just going organic. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's all right. We got to start somewhere, though. So I think, yeah, let's get a, uh, hey, we'll be at this bar at this time on this date. Whoever wants to show up, show up. Yeah. That might be Where's, a good first stop. Is Jersey, what's closest for all of you? Is Jersey City? Yeah, I'm right next to Jersey City. Right. Yeah, pretty and, much. Uh, pretty close to Hoboken. I'm a train ride away from Hoboken, so. Yeah, so I feel like, like train ride new york wise either one of those are good spots yeah uh, yeah new york uh, you know jersey city or new york uh, or hoboken um yeah well we should we should talk offline about that yeah, yeah. absolutely for sure um miguel i wanted to bring up another story related to video games and nfts that uh, i was interested in and this has to do with fortnite which you know one of the biggest games in the world and so nf uh, nike.swoosh which we've covered before um, you know, they recently had like a really big mint that was almost 100,000, I think, um, yeah. that people were able to get into. And now they're working with Fortnite. Um, this is a Twitter post from Saigar, which is at O-0-X-Saigar, uh, C-Y-G-A-A-R. Uh, he said, this is pretty big news for NFTs. Fortnite is adding special in-game items specifically for holders of Nike NFTs. Dot swoosh. Uh, Fortnite averages about 25 million daily active users. We're about to see a lot of mainstream exposure to NFTs. Wow. even if they don't realize it. So imagine you're the NFT holder of these shoes that maybe you created and now you're bringing them into Fortnite. This is kind of like the dream that we've been sold for so long about NFTs in video games, right? Yep. This is, and this is the way you're going to onboard people is, yes. to, uh, is to build it into products where they're not necessarily aware that it's NFT technology, right? It's, it's just an object in a game that they're, that they're connecting with. Yeah, yeah that's going to be amazing. I don't want to um, call out my son here, but he was clearly emotional the other night when he missed a Fortnite skin drop for the new Spider-Man character. And in my head, I was like, if only this was an NFT, I could just go onto a marketplace and buy this skin for him. But right. we're just not there yet. So <laughs> you know, I think this is getting there. You bring up a good point here. There is, there's a lot of debate about, amongst people of our age, my age, a little bit younger, but let's say in their 30s to 40s and 50s, 
you know, about like the tangibility of a digital product. And I'm like, if you're not paying attention to how emotionally connected your kids or the kids oh, yeah. are to in-game objects that they don't even really own. Exactly. Right? Um, then you're not, you, you don't see the future of NFTs quite yet. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's what it's coming down to. You know, the eight year olds today are going to be 18 in 10 years and hopefully they're collecting my art and yes. they're emotionally connected <laughs> to it and yeah. it's online and that doesn't even matter. Right. It's digital. And that doesn't even matter because they could put it in their virtual living room that they have inside Fortnite that they built using crypto voxel, whatever. Right. Like land plots um, that they all own through NFTs. So you just don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's, you know, the, I, I assume the companies want to be siloed so that you have to repurchase these items over and over again. Whereas this NFT ability makes it a little more fluid to just say, hey, I already own this thing. I've already paid for this thing. I'm just going to take it with me and I don't need to buy another one. Right. I don't need to buy yeah. another gun yeah. in this game and that game. But Even if I there's, think... there's going to be silos, and I think that's okay. Right. But I think this opens the door is for partnerships between between games. Like if you, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know who the builder is. It Blizzard? Who? Not uh, not for Fortnite. I can't even think of the name of them. That's I don't think that's Blizzard. Um, oh, it doesn't even matter. Whoever yeah. let's say, let's say let's say there's a company who has multiple games, and they're you know you'll be able to uh, hypothetically you'll be able to get a product in one game and then port yes. it into the other um if you're in that ecosystem it's no different than a being in the apple ecosystem with all of your apple products and yeah. apple tv and you know and then other people are in the android ecosystem with you know and then they've got the rokus and, and whatever it, you know to me there's gonna be e meta worlds and these meta worlds are going to coexist in the metaverse, but they're going to be individual, like little, what ecosystem you're going to drop into. I think that's what's going to matter the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely moving into that future space for sure, 100%. I mean, look at, look at what happened. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, the weekend had a, had a concert where he, um, it, was, it was a digital concert. That no, it wasn't a digital concert. It was a regular concert, but he had like a digital souvenir. It was a digital or souvenir. souvenir, yeah, where you're able to like get con a, a different concert experience. Um, and I think he partnered with like Binance for this. Um, yes, Binance see, like, sponsored this. I've got the article up here from from Binance.com. Uh, it's on their blog, The Weekend X Binance Special NFTs for fans. So, you know, their headline is that the weekend after hours till dawn global tour presented by Binance is the first global concert tour powered by web three, which is pretty cool. And uh, we're giving away official souvenir NFTs to anyone who has bought tickets to the tour in celebration of the partnership and support of our commitment to giving back. Binance has donated $2 million in counting to the world food program administered um, humanitarian fund. So it's cool to see their name up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, on that tour. NFTs definitely have opened the door to the technology, not even NFTs, just the technology itself has opened a huge revolving door of so many different things that you can do with it. It's just that companies are, are just getting their feet wet on there. Like we, we've talked about how other brands in one of the episodes just kind of flopped with ideas and stuff like that because they're not tapping. I feel this is how I feel. This is the reality that I feel, right? My opinion is that 
a lot of these companies like Taco Bell, McDonald's, like all these companies, they are not in touch with people like us, right? So then they they try to build the technology themselves and they don't under, really understand the technology. And in order for them to really understand the technology, they need to understand what's happening now with us, right? And then they should be able to build after that. Like Nike did it the right way. Nike actually pursued a team of people that are working with NFTs and all that kind of stuff. Like they they actually built a huge team just for this to try to understand the technology first before they even dapped into it. And I feel like other brands are just not doing that. They're just trying to get a, like a cash grab and just do whatever they want to do. That just kind of flops. It doesn't yeah. work. Nike's purchase of Artifact really uh, set them up for mm -hmm. success in in Web3. Because in my mind, that was always an aqua hire. Like they were, they were buying, they, in my mind, they were buying the team behind it mm. uh, oh, to, yeah. to stand up their own internal, internal, you know, Web3 ecosystem. And now you've got Dot Swoosh, which, um, you know, whatever, you know, I'm not a sneaker guy, so I don't really, for me, it was just like lame, but, you know, it's not lame to people who love Nike. Sneakers, yeah. Right? It's not lame to people who are into artifact. It's not lame to people who are into those kinds of digital collectibles, you know, and I could see that. And I'm, you know, and even though I might not be into it, um, the market for that is huge. Oh, yeah. What a smart yeah. move. Yeah. But they took the time to understand the technology and then they, they took the time to release whatever they wanted to release. Like, I remember we talked about like Taco Bell released this NFT collection that just completely flopped. And that's because yeah. they rushed it. They were trying to just get money when the market was on a high tide. You know what I mean? And they just I actually, completely messed up. I love those. I think they're great. They remind <laughs> me of real, and, and not from like a, not from like a, the company did a good thing there. It's just like, it's really bad art and it's such good, really bad art that for me <laughs> coming from like the trash art world, that was for me, it felt like an homage. Like they uh, were looking at what was happening in trash art, and they were just like, "Photo homage, boom, bad <laughs> art, boom." No. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. We looked at the account. Um, I don't remember what website. Maybe it was like Magic Eden. It was the account that um, first loaded up those NFTs, and that account was a holder of all these other random ones. Like clearly not somebody who's with it or a current. Yeah participants in it it's like where did you come up with these like their influence must have been so you know out of touch with with the nft community but i guess that's like what they call the maryland effect right like the maryland flag is so bad that it's good so bad People it's good yeah flag. i yeah, think exactly. i think they were the first fast food company to do an nft oh yeah so I, think that, I think that 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 alone will be uh will make it um a digital collectible twitter did awful nfts <laughs> Yeah. Um under under the previous regime. Yeah. Um, Budweiser too. Budweiser really flopped. They yeah. had so much going on. They had such a like a robust NFT ecosystem and they just didn't do anything with it. It's like, you know, you know, market crashes and they're just like, ah, we're done with this. Just leave it all just yeah. lingering like, behind us. It's because they all saw it as let's sell digital images. This is this is yes. my take. Let's yeah. sell digital images instead of how can we provide something to our people who are in this space that will get them to connect back to the brand. Yeah. 
Yeah. But what was it that you said, Kevin, at one point that, that they could have done so much with I remember you had an idea that oh, you said. This is oh, this is gold, Eric. You ready? I, I should be paid for this idea. McDonald's should have moved the Monopoly game into the NFT space. There you go. So that way each property is an NFT and you could acquire it and you can, you know, oh, I really need this property. Like, let me go buy it. And naturally those prices would increase on their own because of the demand. If you only had a few of each of those, right? Like if you just said, hey, there's a hundred of each property, <laughs> like people would collect those. People would pay big bucks for those. Yeah. But then, then the whole... Um subculture of people who buy and sell and steal them sure <laughs> the, 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 what would happen that documentary that? did you see yeah. that documentary it's so crazy yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's our the second reference to mcdonald's there. tonight yeah uh, that's true and i'll say i used to work at mcdonald's so that's our third reference to mcdonald's <laughs> yeah. i can't say whether or not i did peel off <laughs> stickers in the back trying to find the best pieces i can't <laughs> say if i did or didn't right they were definitely taken already uh, by someone <laughs> yeah. in the factory. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> hey, as you, know, you were, reminds me, as you were flashing, as you were flashing stuff here on screen, I saw the uh, the Alien Friends uh, thing. On yeah, Twitter. I was trying to cue that up for you. Um, this was interesting that the Alien Friends Twitter account got hacked, and last night. Yeah, that's such a a, a shitty situation to be in because you would say only follow links from our official accounts, right? And here's the official account posting some you know crazy phishing scam and it's you know it sucks it sucks that somebody might have gone through those steps and said yeah, yeah oh, let me claim some of this slime and they get burnt and yeah, so, so yeah alien friends they they actually started following us a couple of days ago um so then i started really going into their threats and reading their stuff but uh, what i did like about their community through all this was that someone stepped up from the community and helped them get their account back today nice so they were able to get it back today which was amazing so that that's that just speaks volume for the community that they have yeah yeah that's a scary situation for sure so i'm so cynical i'm like was that guy in on it <laughs> that seems pretty that seems pretty fast to get it back in one day yeah, I think they were trying to get in touch with like Twitter or something, and they couldn't. Never gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, never gonna happen. I and worked I, at I worked at Twitter support, and I will guarantee you the only way to the only way to get help is to escalate it through somebody that that is that works there. That's there, yeah. So I think that this guy from the community works for Twitter, so they were able mm. to like. That explains it. That, yeah, yeah, they were able to like to really get it back or something like that. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, there's an internal mechanism for for flagging problems or at least there was when i was there i don't know if elon got rid of it but ultimately <laughs> there was you know if you knew somebody it went right to immediate individual review of a person so it because any request that comes in gets kicked to ml so like machine learning ai determines if it's important enough to go to a human based on severity oh, interesting yeah. So I mean, like, there's there's a big tree of it. So like, that's really, really awful way to explain it because it's not all like that. Like, if yeah. you're reporting bad, bad content uh, that made it through, uh, that'll probably get pulled really quick. But you know, who knows? I'm not really a wealth of good information today. I'm just sort of really generic, aren't I? Well, you had a personal experience with with the Twitter issue, right? What was that one? Oh, you, I got, I got, my account got locked or got, got, banned. Locked. got banned. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. For, for no reason. Like, you know, it just said, 
your your account is blocked for violating Twitter's terms of service. And I was like, what did I violate? You know, I was looking for a response. I got nothing. I just said yeah. violating the terms of service. And I know I know how that system works. And I'm like, well, of course I'm not gonna find anything because that's how it's written. It's written yeah. really ambiguously. Um, and I remember it took a while to get it back too. Did took me two, three weeks. Um, and I wasn't like mine was just suspended. It wasn't a, another guy I met has account completely taken away for no reason. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Eric, you reminded me of another story that I recently heard about that we didn't talk about on the show yet, but this has to do with Pokemon card scams. Have you guys heard of this? No. That there's people on the inside at the printing production company stealing the hyper rare uh, prints of Pokemon cards. And so just same as the McDonald's, you know, the people in the printing are just taking the high, the high value ones. People are taking the high value uh, print cards from Pokemon. And uh, this is an article from April of 2023. So really not that long ago. And I believe that they had to change printing production companies as a result of this. And this kind of led to this idea of, well, this couldn't happen on the, on the blockchain, right? Because you would know where each of those cards went. So I think to some extent, that's a, that's a true use case to say everything is traceable, but you know, there's so many ways to get around that or, you know, roll it up and just kind of see wherever it goes afterwards. It's kind of hard to trace sometimes, but this was interesting. Um, and just this little blurb here says, the Pokemon company claims to have printed over 9 billion Pokemon cards over the last year, which means it's hard to imagine even several fat stacks of cards could realistically impact your personal pull rates over several years. So meaning these people in the production line are taking the really hyper the hyper rares off the, off the production line. So it's less for people to actually pull uh, randomly or that are in circulation. So I, you know, 9 billion is a huge number. I can't even fathom what that really is. That's huge. But, it's just interesting. And, and think about losing an account, like being the Pokemon card printer and how many jobs get lost along with that. So, wow. Um, you know, a physical problem that maybe has a digital solution, maybe not, but probably a little more secure on, on the blockchain. It has me thinking of the, the Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie scandal. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, Tell yeah. me. I have a lot of Ken Griffey Jr. cards. Even yeah. So in, in 1989, the junior rookie, the upper deck one was like, it was our Mickey Mantle, right? It was the yeah. one, the one that you wanted to collect. Well, turns out that somebody in the printer was printing over and over more Ken Griffey's and putting them on the market on twenty on what year was it? Nineteen ninety one, let's say ninety one, I think upper deck. But they were printing it on nineteen ninety two cardstock. That they were using. Oh wow! Oh wow! And so, like, there was an, a flood of of Griffey rookies on the market, eventually tanking the price of what was supposed to be a very rare card, and it ends up it's not because the wow. printer kept printing just versions of the King Griffey Junior. I need to go check mine because I have a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I think I have one or two. Um, you know, early late eighties, early nineties card collector. Yeah. Hey, yeah. did you guys hear about the uh, ApeCoin DAO, the, the Web3 organization entitled built up by around the ApeCoin stuff? They were paying like some crazy amount of salaries to their employees or to their like um, top employees. It was yeah. like $75,000 per month. So there was like some huge outroar about people talking about why they're paying this crazy outrageous salaries to these people. It was insane. Yeah, are they 
Uh, is it a nonprofit? No, no. This was this was based on the ApeCoin thing. Yeah, I mean, is the ApeCoin DAO a nonprofit? Because sometimes they inflate salaries in order to show that they're not making a profit. That's it's a, a, it's a salary a hack. I'm trying to skim through this article. I pulled no, it up on CoinDesk called uh, ApeCoin DAO Special Counsel Six Figure Salaries mm. Sparks Tension. How do I get that job? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> 75000 per month? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they were each getting $20,000 per month, and there was a, a few of them on the special council. One, two, three, maybe five or six on the special council. Love it. Crazy. Well, I guess it's good to know people, huh? Well, that's, it's just, you know, that's life, right? It's just crazy <laughs> yeah. how Yuga Labs, it's worth so much now. Yeah, billions. For now. I don't yeah. know that it it has the 20-year long haul on it. I know yeah, people are hoping that. I think that there's going to be in my I believe that there's going to be other companies that come along that are just going to be bigger, badder, more valuable, um, you know. If we if there's anything we've learned from web 1 and 2, it's that those who start it at it typically and very rarely never make it to the end. That's yeah. True. And do well, you, you know, go ahead? You know who I think it's going to give them a run for their money? Probably Pudgy Penguins because they're they're doing some crazy incredible stuff in in their end. Like especially with the animation. They just bought that animation company. Yeah. Um, like they're really thinking about the future for them. Doodles bought one too. Um, yeah. I think we'll see a company who comes in and buys up all of the IP mm. of these, you know. And yeah. puts them under. It'll probably be, my my best guess. We're gonna see like a, a studio, like a Miramax or something, come in oh, yeah. and buy some of these, and then that'll be like the big brand that comes out of this. Yeah, it just even... seems obvious to me to to want to buy IP and like use it in in yeah. cartoons and books and kids books and adult comics and you know you name it. Yeah, yeah. I see something like that happening with like Netflix, like right. Just... You know what I mean? Like, let's, oh, let's do cartoons. You know, why not do NFT cartoons or PFPs cartoons? Let's just buy these IP addresses. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, I think you'll look at these projects that are, you know, called blue chips now on the higher value of, you know, $10,000 maybe for each one. But maybe somebody doesn't need a $10,000 pudgy penguin. But if this goes mainstream, which it's starting to, maybe there's another entry-level project that comes out that's just $40, right? And the kids want that. And they want to collect those, right? So they'll make it more attainable and more reachable than just the the thing that's out there now of this project and the, the plushie, right? They're going to start adding tiers in there because the kids are going to want to get a little bit more. Well, I mean, when we were kids, we were buying Ninja Turtle mm -hmm. toys, right? Yeah, we exactly. Had, and we owned, not, we owned nothing of the project, nothing of the product. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're right. still investing in turtle underwear and turtle, yeah. you know, T-shirts and turtle plushies, whatever it is. Yeah. Ninja Turtle, everything. Turtle parties. Turtle yeah. parties, um, right. You know, digital 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 products is just another part of that ecosystem. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't need to be like this own little world where you right. it's like, oh, only NFT world and then the rest. It's gonna merge all together. It's gonna merge, yeah. Yeah. I used I to mean, have imagine 
Can you imagine like someone like Netflix, for example, creating some sort of cartoon, right? Where, where you're able to split the NFT price between other people, right? And at the same time, get a piece of the pie of that particular cartoon. Not that saying that Netflix would do something like that because, you know, those companies are, are greedy and stuff like that. But how cool would that be? That's, that's sort of something like um, the guy who we had in the show that's doing the stuff with the music. Right. right, that you get a piece of that pie, right? Yeah, instead that's having, yeah. Instead of having the label sign you, right, you you own a piece of your own distribution, right? So imagine the same thing with with you know your PFP or whatever the case might be in a cartoon based kind of idea, right? How crazy would that be? Yeah, I see. I see it going another way too. Is um, if you own the NFT and let's say that NFT, that IP is owned by Netflix, well, then you get access to earlier content mm. that's later oh, distributed yeah. you know, to, to the rest of the audience. But you'll get to see things first. Um, I, see it, I see some of it going that way too. So more subscription model based, like yeah. this is an added utility you get onto this, you know? Right. People yeah, pay for that cool. now, right? With a podcast where it's like, get the podcast early or, you know, get the show early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People are already paying for that. Conceptually, it makes, it makes, it's just moving it to a platform that's, you know, kind right. of on old technology, right? Like uh, yeah. TV. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, listen, we are way past the hour mark. So Eric, <laughs> we want to respect your time. Um, good, you want to plug anything before we uh, sign off? No, um, if you want to just find out what I'm doing, where I'm at, go to uh, my Twitter at Eric P. Rhodes. Everything is everything runs off of my Twitter. So beautiful, yeah. yeah man, um, I, I love talking to Eric. Like I feel like Eric's just part of the team. Yeah. <laughs> There's no pretense, right? I'm not. I'm not here trying to spew and sell. And it's just you know, like what you see is what you get. This is who I would be in person. Yeah. I love this chit chat back and forth. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to talk about the space and it's pretty cool to talk about art in general. Yeah, um, I love it. You know, I, I love like this stuff. stuff. I'll do more of these. All you have to do is ask. Awesome. <laughs> if we you want like if, you up on that. if you want if you want the five minute Eric Rhodes take on the industry, I'll give you a full blast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and we'll have to we'll have to get together. We'll have to make a, an in person event, an IRL event work yeah. sooner than I mean, later. At the, at the very least, we should just meet up and hang and grab some beers. So yeah. let's chat off. We'll chat, you know, offline and make that. Yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, we invite everyone to subscribe to the channel, like this video, and uh, head over to rebelants.io where you can get your free Jeremy Pets NFTs. We got five free ones right now. Grab them while they're hot. Grab them while they're free. And uh, the next ones uh, will be coming out, I think, one a week. Right, Miguel? Is that the plan? Yeah, I want to do one a week until... I got a substantial amount drone and then we could release them five, maybe every week or so. Yeah. Until we hit the 500. Beautiful. All right. Well, listen, thank you all uh, for your time tonight and uh, enjoy your Juneteenth. Happy. Do you say happy Juneteenth? What do you say as this holiday? That's, like that's what you just said. Exactly. What you said. All right. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.